Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. G'day and welcome to the Spirit of Sport on Sydney's newest home of sport, 1170 SEN. I'm your host, Jason Stevens. So glad you're able to join us. Well, tonight, my special guest is one of the all-time greats for the West Tigers, making his debut at just 17 years of age. Sorry, let me just do it again. Making his debut for the club at just 17 years of age. He quickly became a fan favourite and even went on to captain the club for several years. He finished his career becoming the third most capped Tiger of all time, with 253 games well. And he joined a player that hey, you may have heard of before, maybe not, Benji Marshall, as the club's all-time try scorers with 84 tries. I scored 14 in 14 years. Put that in perspective. He's chosen an interesting and rewarding career post-footy. I can't wait to talk about all that and more. Chris Lawrence, welcome to the Spirit of Sport. Thanks, Mr. Steve. How are you, mate? That's a that's astonishing, mate. Eighty four tries. <laughs> I I scored one a year, which uh, of course, because I played fourteen seasons, and that that was enough to get me off doing that lap that we all know you got to do when you don't score a try. But eighty four, mate. That's that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was good to obviously get over for a few. I probably got over for a few more in my younger days when I was out in the the back. So yeah, the tries started to dry up once I made my way into the forwards over the the last few years, but um, yeah, as you said, being able to share at the moment with the, the, the try-scoring record with Benji, however, I think um, it, it won't probably last too long, I think Dave Nofaluma, he's uh, not too far off us um, as well, and you know, with him just signing um, new deal at the club, so I think it uh, won't be too long before uh, that try-scoring record goes to him, I think. Yeah, he's a, he's a great player. He's a great, and we'll talk about all that in a, in a little bit more. But before we get going, we've got some getting to know you type questions. So, mate, uh, just whatever comes to yep. mind first. All right, cool. You cool. good to go? Yeah, good to go. Good to go. First concert. Uh, first concert. Oh, I think I think it might have been a Coldplay concert. Oh, that's a good one to start with. Yeah. Tough to go. Tough to go anywhere else after that one. Yeah, yeah, well, it was actually really good. One. <laughs> first job. Uh, well, technically, my first job would have been mowing lawns for uh, my nan and my pop. Um, when I was younger, I used to make some pocket money uh, by going down to their place. They had um, quite, quite a bit of land, so uh, in some of me, my dad used to go down and uh, spend three or four hours uh, mowing the lawn. So. Uh, I'd say that would be technically my first pay. That or a paper run um, with a couple of mates uh, as well, probably in the first job. I don't want to make you feel guilty, but I used to do my grandfather's for free. But that's okay. That's you. you do yeah, you do. I got, yeah. No, the, the first couple of the first few years, I had to give it back, but then uh, eventually, um, in summer, three four hours uh, of every weekend in summer, my dad goes, "Yeah, you can Fair take enough. the money. You can take the ten bucks for giving you." Fair enough. 
<laughs> Most embarrassing two dollars, moment. $2.50 now. Most embarrassing moment. Uh, oh, uh, well, one one of the most embarrassing moments would have been uh, my uh, first game in reserve grade, and I was only seventeen, straight out of sort of the, the SG ball squad, coming off the bench. All, all my family, sort of friends, are there. Um, West hadn't won a I'm playing for West, and they hadn't won a game all year. This is probably around ten. Um, and the game is in the balance. I come off the bench, ten to go, make uh, uh, my first tackle. Just got picked up, driven the ground. Quickly try to fight and quickly play the ball, play the ball backwards. So we lost the ball. They scored a try, um, won the game. We were, we were up that day. So, and then uh, yes, I got booed off the field ball. The was I had made it, made it in. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. <laughs> we can look back, look back and laugh now, but far. Around. Yeah, I can laugh now. Yeah, it was, wasn't laughing at the time. Either, either were the uh, or my teammates, or this seventeen-year-old kid. Is, oh, they've known me for, for two sessions. They finally oh, got a chance to win the game, and I've just ruined it for them. Favorite movie? Oh, uh, depends if it's uh, if it's a comedy, something uh, I can't get past something like Anchorman or. Or back in the day, Happy Gilmore. But uh, I think for, for a day, I don't mind that movie, John Q, uh, with uh, Denzel Washington. Love that movie. Oh, nice. Yeah, Denzel, is, you're not going to meet a finer finer actor. What's your pet hate? Oh, pet hate. Ooh. I think someone that says they're going to do something, but uh, are never going to do it. So if you get it for me, if you're going to say, I don't, I don't mind if you're not going to do something, but if you say you're going to do it, do it. Yeah, that's a frustrating thing with some uh, with people sometimes. When they, I, I don't yeah. like that either. <laughs> that's a good one. A person from history you'd like to have met? Oh, mm, that's an interesting one. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't really know if there's one person I would have. Um, yeah, not quite sure. I think. Yeah, I, I don't even know. There'd be too many to think of. Yeah, no worries, no worries. We can we can come back to that. Something you wish you were better at? Um, I'd love to be good at surfing. I think, mean, yeah, that especially now being retired, um, I'd, I'd yeah really love to just take the board out and be uh, be able to surf surf more. I um, tried my hand a bit when when I was a bit younger. A couple of my mates are really into it and um, enjoyed it. Wasn't they great at it? And um, then just footy took over. And, yeah, so I'd uh, struggle to be able to get up on surfboards. So I'd love to be able to surf. That's that's funny because you know you've got great balance, you've got great core strength, you've got all the the qualities. You'd think that that you you know, but maybe it's just the thing that you got to. It seems to me it's like you've got to practice like daily to yeah. just get that. And you you could do it if you put that, but it just takes so much time. Yeah, well, I think that's it's probably just the, the practice. And um, but because, and because I hadn't um, even when I was young, I didn't enough to really get the, the hang of it properly. It's not something I could just pick up. I'd have to sort of start back again and, and work my way through. So, yeah, just that time. But, yeah, it'd be good to just be able to pick up a board and, uh, yeah, just go out and have a good surf. The thing you did growing up that made your parents the most upset? Uh, uh, maybe not might have thrown a couple of parties when they went away. Uh, maybe as a, as a 15, 16-year-old. So I just said I'd be fine at home. And um, they sort of found out, only found out because uh, I didn't clean up the house properly. That was probably the only reason they found out and I was pretty upset. 
Any, dam- any damage done or? No, nah, not no damage done. Just I think it was just my laziness in in terms of the quality of the cleaning. Uh, I think if you're going to show a party to young kid and your parents don't know, you've uh, got to make sure uh, the the house is uh, even better than uh, what they left it, which I probably didn't do. It's a rookie error, mate. It's a rookie error. For yeah, sure. yeah, that was my fault. <laughs> the lesson that's taken you the longest to learn? Um, probably. Uh, Learning, uh, the best way to learn is from, from mentors and people have been there, done that. Um, I think it's probably something later in my career. I've only really truly understand the value of um, that. You know, The best way to learn is finding someone who's been there and done what you, you want to do and, and learn directly from them. Um, yeah, it's probably something that I would have loved to have um, really understand how valuable that was uh, You know, early on in my footy career. What's the biggest thing you've been nervous about? Uh, apart from probably my um, NRL debut, probably the uh, the birth of my first uh, child. Um, excited, nervous. Um, yeah, it was all uh, plenty of emotions mixed into one. It's a beautiful moment. I experienced it only almost a couple of years ago, and uh, yeah, I can now I can sort of relate to that. That um, it's just one of the greatest, the greatest things. And and I've got to say, hats off to to you guys who who. Had um, well, we didn't have them, but you know, supported our wife as much as we could uh, whilst playing because, oh mate, it just wrecked me. The um, <laughs> it just wrecked me. I was so tired, mate. After yeah, just well, yeah. Oh, I remember um, when I yeah, my, and my daughter, she wasn't uh, the best sleeper, and oh. um, and I had Ronnie Palmer um, the, the train at the time of the time. With, with um, but he had plenty of motivational quotes, and he basically yeah. He, Used to say to me, "Well, mate, doesn't matter how how tired you are. Once you get here, no one cares." So, <laughs> but, yeah, mate, you're true. <laughs> so, all right, all right mate. yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> Thanks, Ron. Jeez, the, 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 that's harsh, but it's it's fair. But it's there um, he goes, mate. When you cross that line, they, no one cares if you're tired, injured, sick, whatever. You cross that line, mate. You got to be right. And yeah, mate, that's true. <laughs> But honestly, I don't know if Ronnie had has he got any kids? Because I tell you what, if you if you've been through it and you know that tiredness, mate, that's just like it's there's not sleep deprivation. It's just one of the worst things I could ever imagine. To be honest with you, yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, it wasn't fun. We had, it got um, to the point where we, me and my wife, actually had um, a bit of a system. So if any any time. Our daughter stirred between, um, you know, the start of the night until about three thirty. That was that was her. Any time after that was me. Because I thought, oh, worst case, if I'm up at three thirty, four o'clock, I'll just stay awake. Cause I'm usually awake at six anyway. So, oh, anything after three thirty, that was me. So, that's it. That's how much she woke up. Oh, mate, that's a nice little routine with with my wife. Um, because she's got a bad back, and uh, so so when he was. When Presley got up, it was both. It was both of us every time. So when you're like feeding right. four or five times a night, because she couldn't yep. lift him out of the cot, it was just like. Then it was us together all day. It was oh gosh, I just was like I remember thinking if I was playing now, I'd I'd, I'd be. Then again, I only played thirty forty minutes at best. I could I could have kept doing that. Oh yeah, you just you just feel yeah you're just, just in a constant state of uh, sleep deprivation. Yeah, it's not fun. Now, mate, I mentioned in the intro, you know, you're a kid from Campbelltown uh, who managed to become a club captain. Uh, it's rare for a, a player uh, these days to, to, you know, be a local and go on to play at the same uh, team that, 
that his his Shire area represents. And you played over two fifty games for West Tigers. Have, have you you've retired? Have you had a little chance to look back on your career and really see what you achieved, or have you just been all go 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 for the next phase? Um, I probably haven't. I had a little bit in in, in the. I uh, had a sort of few weeks off over Christmas. Um, I sort of once the season finished, I was pretty much straight into to, to working with the business and, and plenty of opportunities that I really, you know, wanted to, um, you know, take advantage of and sink my teeth into. But um, it, it's definitely something, um, even actually probably a conversation that uh, I had recently with a, a few family members that it's probably something once the, the season starts because, you know, I've been asked, you know, will I miss it and things like that. And right now, I definitely don't miss it. But obviously once the game start, you know, you, I think um, some um, part of me, you know, will miss it a bit and, I definitely think that'll probably be, um, you know, time I'll, you know, obviously sit and reflect, you know, back on my, my career and, you know, things I've been able to achieve. But, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's, like it's I, really I, important, I, Chris. I've got to, it's really important because I didn't do it really myself. And I didn't, um, you know, someone said to me after, you know, you should should try and reward yourself in some way, to, you know, to almost to congratulate, you know, yourself on... Because it's very rare what you achieved, I've got to say. And... and you know, we can be so busy moving forward into the next, and and there's obviously there's a lot of, you know, things great things ahead. And I'm not suggesting living in the past or anything like that, but but to actually sitting and have, um, you know, to be proud of yourself or what, and and even reward yourself in some way. I know, uh, I know, uh, I know, um, Chris Heinington. I think his wife bought him a a motorcycle. Um, not putting that on your wife at all, by any means. <laughs> <laughs> she could take you out for dinner or something. That's all yeah, she can sit maybe a dinner or something like that in Dubai. Yeah, no, but you know, it's definitely something that um, yeah. uh, I, I sort of thought uh, about. I know my wife sort of um, was keen to sort of throw me, you know, like a retirement dinner or a retirement party, but, um, you know, pre Christmas, but unfortunately, obviously, with COVID, then, oh, of you course, know, the, of course. That, that sort of shut that down. So, again, it's probably something, you know, um, and then, you know, back at, since Christmas, everyone's sort of been flat out. So, um, yeah, look, it's probably something, you know, I definitely should do and, and we'll def- definitely look at doing because, as you said, it's just about acknowledging, it, you know, the things that you've been able to achieve, um, you know, and then so you can sort of move on and, and really focus on that next chapter. Um, yeah, and I, and I do sort of think it is important. I know I haven't sort of done it yet, but I definitely do feel I need to do it. Yeah, no, because even moving forward, like in your business ventures and when you get a win... It is important to, as well, like I'm, for myself. Like I, I really, you know, we're both ambitious and driven, and and got big bigger dreams possibly than than we had in football, which which is a great thing, you know, and it's a great message you have as well about dreaming a new dream once you you retire. But um, you know, I think it took me just a bit too long to actually sit down and go. One and one day I just went to Shark Park and I just sat there. It was open. I just sat there for an hour in just gratitude and just like, and and just had a, a bit of a reminisce and to to um to appreciate it. So I, I know I know that opportunity will, will will come for you, but you know let me go back to the early earlier days than the seventeen year old who made his debut, which is outstanding. Um, you were a St Greg's uh, boy. It's a, quite a famous yep. college. Yeah. Uh, were there any any uh, mentors there? Were there any? What did that do for you being? In terms of preparation for the next level with with rugby league, what did that that school do for you? Oh, look, I think it's more because you had so much history, you know, um, in terms of you know rugby league players, coaches, and just the, the school itself. Um, you know, it was 
um, such a sort of honour and prestige to, to play um, in the first sort of 13 side for St Greg's and, and coming into year seven, um, most kids who play footy, you weren't even sort of thinking about playing in the NRL. You just wanted to play first grade uh, for the school because it was made such a big deal of by the school. You know, the whole school would um, make a tunnel and, and go and watch the first grade team play of a, of a Thursday afternoon. So it was um, quite a big thing and, you know, having all your sort of school and, and teammates there cheering. So, you know, you, you come through the younger grades of St. Greg's um, training and just dreaming of playing for that school. Then you see you know, guys who leave you 12 and a couple of years later then go on to play first grade. So then you, as you get older, you start to sort of see, well, there's a definitely a real pathway because you've, you've seen these guys who are at school with you and now a couple of years later, they're now playing first grade. So um, it really does, um, I suppose, give you that motivation to not only, um, you know, be able to play for the school, but um, show you that, you know, there's a real opportunity there to, and, and a pathway to, to try and, you know, live out your dream to um, play professional footy in the NRL. So round 21, uh, 2006 NRL season, v the Broncos, you become the youngest debutant in the Tigers' history at 17, which which is phenomenal. So that's you, you, let's put that in perspective. You're 283 days old. Uh, what was that whole week like for you? Because you're going up to Suncorp, Suncorp, and it's a it's a huge huge ask. Uh, what was the debut like for you? You scored a try. Gone by Stag gives a chance for Chris Lawrence. He's one-on-one with Berrigan. Too much speed for the halfback. And the 17-year-old schoolboy puts the Tigers in the lead here in Brisbane. Yeah, it was, uh, it was quite strange, um, actually, because was, um, well, I wasn't really meant to um, be going up to play. I was, I was only going up as, as an 18th man. Um, you know, Tim Sheens was the coach at the time. He, he was really good at um, really um, developing a lot of the um, you know, junior players every year he, uh, on a, on the away games. Uh, he selected a couple of younger players to come and travel with the team as the 18th and 19th man, um, basically just to get um, some experience of what it's like travelling with the team, uh, preparing for a game. And basically just it's almost a, like a bit of a, a reward for the younger guys to, to show them that you're in the mix. You know, and, and at the time I wasn't even training full-time with the squad. Um, you know, I was, was back with, reserve grade but um, you know and he did that with a number of other younger players and it was a few days out from the from the game and um, uh, I remember Paul Fadawira uh, went down I think with a, with a hamstring injury uh, and all the sort of you know the boys were quite concerned for him and he got carried off by the, the trainers and and then uh, Shinji just sort of came over to me and um, just said well looks like you're playing kid and and I was like oh what you mean this week he goes yeah mate you're in Congratulations. And I was like, well, it was, yeah, just like that. And then it was the end of the set, and this was about three days, three days out from the game. So I had to, um, I hadn't, didn't have an NRL contract. I only had like a, a second year contract. So I needed to, and I wasn't 17. So they had to quickly draft the contract, call my, my dad, get him home from work to sign the contract, get it all through um, in, within a few days. Uh, Cause I wasn't 18. He had to sign on my behalf. Um, and then the next day we're flying out to uh, to Brisbane, so wow. it was uh, in, in in hindsight, it was probably um, I think it was a good thing because it didn't allow me to, to really overthink the game. It just happened so quickly, uh, and then before I knew, it, I was sort of running out. Um, so yeah, it was sort of good because I didn't um, didn't really have a chance to think, and it was probably only um, sort of in the sheds getting ready for the game that I sort of really started to hit, hit me and started to you know think about it. Go, oh, wow, like the last. In a couple of days, been a whirlwind, but 
it's actually here now and and was starting to get you know pretty nervous and um but you know Sheen's he was he was really good he sort of just came up and you know settled my nerves and charged me and said look um you know this isn't you know um I'm just plucked this out of thin air he goes I picked you for a reason you know if you get the chance in the game to back yourself and you you know I just want you to back your skill back your ability so just you know just back yourself so it's definitely uh, something I took into took into the game. Geez, that's a that's a that's a great bit of advice and a, and a great endorsement from a from a great coach. And it, to put it in perspective, you're in that dressing room, and the year prior, 2005, the Tigers win the premiership, which was a, you know one of the, the best grand finals I've yeah. I've seen. So you're you're in there getting changed, and you're looking around, and there's the Robbie Farrers, and there's the Benji Mart, and there's all you know, there's all the, these these Tigers legends that you actually. You know, you, you're watching as a school kid at home. You're watching the, you're watching it, and then the next thing you're you're in there. So it, it's a great, great um, uh, thing that you, you you didn't allow it to to overawe you because it, it could have easily. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I remember my first one of the first trials that I played in first grade, and it was, uh, there, was there was Jared McCracken, and I remember thinking Jared McCracken, like I've watched him so much. On TV, you know, I've just watched him, and now I'm going to tackle him. And he ran over me because I was just so—I was just so—he was a big man. Yeah. I've got to say, he was a big man. Yeah, I was just—you know—I was just like dazzled, you know, by 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 his presence. So, yeah, well, that, that probably that. Yeah, well, that happened. That was actually funny. That happened. A similar thing happened to me. The like, I was playing on the wing, so I started on the wing. So, like the second set of the game, I think we had the ball first. It's the second set of the game, and then. Um, Darren Lockyer has kicked inside the 40 just a standard long kick and he's put the kick in the corner and I'm coming around to catch him on the full um, and to bring the ball back and um, same thing as I'm catching I'm like oh my god I'm about to catch a, a ball Darren Lockyer is just kicking the ball to me <laughs> right. Darren Lockyer is kicking the ball I'm about to catch a ball like a kick by Darren Lockyer and then I'm running back and I'm seeing I'm running back we've got you know, Petra, Stephen Seaver Darren Lockyer Brett Tate running back I'm like and oh, Webby, oh, look at these guys Webby was there Webby yeah, was still like there. there that was his last year wasn't it yeah yeah, so it was, um, yeah, it was very, it was sort of, it didn't go overall, but I was sort of a bit in awe of, you know, uh, the guys that, you know, they looked up to and, you know, had been, you know, you know playing for Australia and, and, and playing that footy and you got guys that are, you know, some greats of the game. So uh, it's sort of, um, I'll, then once I sort of got in the game, I think um, my first, second tackle, I got um, one of the, one of the forwards got stuck into me and it sort of, sort of shows, um, takes it out of you and you, you sort of then get into the game. So it's only a few years later that you end up playing for the Prime Minister's uh, 13 in Port Moresby. Um, I've had the pleasure as well of, of playing um, in Papua New Guinea. It's it's a phenomenal experience. Um, yeah, it's the closest rugby league place I think we'll ever get to rock stars because the Papua New Guinea people they just they are absolutely obsessed with with rugby league. Did you? How was that experience yeah. for you? Oh, that was an unbelievable experience. That was so yeah. Such a, um, it was such a good. I, I didn't really know what to expect as a younger player, and a lot of the people, the guys in the team had been there before, and um, sort of told me, uh, you know, about what to expect to go over there. But as you said, nothing can sort of prepare you for it. You you come um, off the, um, you know, on the tarmac at the airport, and you know you got um, people just outside the fence line, and the fences chanting everyone's name. As you said, just like rock stars, and then you, you jump on the bus driving to the hotel and. Everyone, you know, is chasing after the bus, and and then you think that's, you know, um, that's another, you know, a lot of people, and you know, that's the scene. But then you 
actually rocking up to the ground on the day of the game when you, you literally can't move. There are people everywhere just, oh, you know, man. shouting your name, chanting your name. And honestly, the atmosphere is unreal. Like, the, when we play, like, at the time, the, there's before the, they've done up the stadium now, but this is when the, the ground was rock hard. So it was like, like playing in a, like a, yeah. a dry cricket pitch. The so heat. the actual, <laughs> oh, yeah, the heat wasn't good. But oh. the, the, actual, the actual atmosphere was just unbelievable. Yeah. It was just so good to play, um, playing. But, yeah, it was definitely a, a great experience. I remember uh, the heat was just, uh, just burning out on the field and having not even kicked off. And um, and uh, Lottie Takira got the ball and they... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Poleaxed him. They, I don't know what it was about Lottie, but every time they got it, they ganged up on him and just. They, and then I had the next, I had to take the next hit up from on the line. They drove him back to the line, uh, your, your own, your own goal line, and I got yeah. poleaxed. And it was just oh, like yeah. that, that first twenty minutes. I was just like, what, what's happening here? But and then you're looking around, as you said, in the the, the, the crowd. I mean, I've often, I've often thought, is there a way that because we're talking about obviously a, a second Brisbane team, and, and there's always been conversations about a, a second team in New Zealand. But gee, it wouldn't go out of place a, a a team in in Papua New Guinea. I tell you, to if they could rise to that to that infrastructure and so forth, it would it'd just be an ama- it'd be amazing thing because of the support there. You've got to you've got to be there to ever ever experience. It's hard to just to, it's really hard to tell people what it's like, but it's I think it's one of the best experiences I've ever had playing there. Yeah, it's it's unreal, and and you just they just um, they appreciate their their footy so much. Like, um, I think it's just as I said, you know, you, they they treat the the players like rock stars. But it's more because um, they are just so in love with the game of footy, and they appreciate every aspect. And it doesn't matter, you know, you have um, someone run alongside the bus in a, in a shark jersey, but they just um, you know they'll cheer every single player on. They, they'll love every single player because they just love footy. It's it's not about, you know, you know, they'll obviously have their certain teams they follow, but they just love the, the game of rugby league, which is so great to see. Things moved pretty quickly for you. If we can just go to 2010, you picked for the Aussie team, the Four Nations. You're 21 years of age. Uh, what was the experience like being part of that, that squad? Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty special, um, you know, to be selected in that. And, um, you know, I, uh, I didn't play the, the first, Sort of few games of the tour, um, I was sort of in the, in the Emus camp, and, and sort of was hoping that you know I'd at least just um, you know get one game. And but to be honest, I was just happy um, you know with the experience as well. Uh, I was learning so much from um, all these guys that you know again I'd looked up to, and um, were just champions of the game. And you know, in, in only a sort of six or six or seven week tour, whatever it was, you just learned so much of them. And uh, I knew that if I could just take as much as I could in every single day at training, uh, it'd make me such a better player. So that's how I sort of went into that camp, knowing, okay, well, if I don't play in the game, that's fine because you're, you're going to learn so much and it's going to make you such a better player by training these guys day in, day out. So 
um, that, that's sort of what the, the approach I did. But, you know, I was lucky enough to, to get a game in that tour as well. And score again on your debut, which is which is something you made a habit of, which is which is yeah. Cool. You mentioned the well, emus. Can I just say the emus is just for listeners is obviously where the kangaroos. But if you're not in the 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 seventeen, the run on seventeen, you're part of the emus, and usually they flog you pretty hard during the week when you're not playing. Because I, yeah, I remember a test match in New Zealand. I wasn't playing, and I was. I was part of the emus. It was myself, Russell Richardson, and uh, and Mark Gasnier. Actually, we we were left out of the. This was the final. It was the best out of three, and so the morning of the game, we Billy Johnson, who was well, I don't know if he was the trainer when you were there, but he absolutely flogged us the morning of the game because obviously it's the last game of the year. Then you're in your off season, yeah. and we just we just said let's just let's just do it, and, and we trained really really hard. And at one o'clock. I got a call uh, from the trainer, and he said, "Mate, you're in. You're starting." Oh. <laughs> said, you what? trained that morning. I trained that morning. I said because oh. Rodney, Rodney Howe's uh, Rodney Howe's knee blew up during um, a walk, and I went from not oh, being right. in the team to starting. But I tell you, man, I was the best. I just like when you put on that gold that that green and gold, you just lift. You know what I mean? And I didn't care. I was. I was tired. I just, you know, I lift. I lifted, and it was, it's phenomenal because it is everyone. It's everyone's dream in rugby league to to win a grand final and to play for your country. I think, and you know, I didn't get to win a grand final, but that was particularly, you know, to to be with a, with a little bit of adversity to have your back up against the wall. I think it was just a bit more incentive for me. But Tim Sheen was yeah. your, was your coach at the time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so. Um it was sort of particular, you know, that first tour it was um, sort of good to, you know, um, have that sort of familiarity there and, you know, have someone who sort of, uh, you know, knew my strengths and whatnot. So, uh, we, we, which again made, I suppose, that, that first few weeks of the, uh, the the tour a bit easier. And I think, uh, mate, Robbie um, Farrow was also, uh, Robbie, and I think Lee was on that tour as well. So, yeah, just having those uh, sort of familiar faces in those, in that stuff. Uh, um, you know, the first tour, but um, it was it was sort of really good, sort of meeting all the other guys and you know learning so much from. That same year, two thousand ten, uh, you you were pretty much one of the competition favourites, but and you had a pretty crazy final series. The game I remember, which I'll never forget, was the loss to the Roosters in that epic hundred hundred minute clash. Yeah. Can you run us through those those last couple of minutes? Because the turn of events were just... They, you couldn't write a better script about it. This is it. On the 30-metre line, they've got to take it. They've got to take it soon. Pierce to the 30. They run for a try now. It's come down to Graham. Back to the middle. It's found Minicello. A long-range shot from Anasta. He's got it. Oh, what a kick. He got a kick. Anasta has nailed it. Brave Anasta. Sensational. As soon as he hit that, he just kept running great. He knew he'd nailed it. What a great finish to a semi-final. That is so exciting. Did we see a scrum against the boot? That went no, he just high. didn't dive on it. Oh, it. It hit the foot of Andrew Fafita and that put Chris Hyington off. I can't believe it. That was some sort of special play they were doing and he just stood it, watched the ball and as soon as he hit it, he went, I've got it. 
this. This is stupendous. This has almost become indescribable. Fulton is there. Fulton goes on to Louis. Louis goes short in for Peyton. Peyton does the same for Fulton. Intercepted by Kenny Dow. Gibbs is after him. Fulton's after him. They are not going to get him, although here's Simon Dwyer late. Takiri late, but that's Kenny Dow. Kenny Dow has scored his 21st try of the season to win in extra time. Yeah, well, I was actually, I actually was injured that game. I, I didn't play, so in the, a couple of weeks earlier, I'd, um, I'd broken my jaw and, and got surgery. So um, I, I got surgery in my jaw, and I, I was sitting there watching just, because if, if the boys had won, then we would have got the week off and um, gone straight in the prelim, and then I would have been back when they sort of, I was um, allowed to be back. So I was like, oh, you know, because if they lost, I knew I had to make a decision. Do I come back early? Like, it still hasn't healed yet, or what do I do? So I was just sitting there and watching it. And the first half, it was, we, I think we bombed three tries. We just, you know, we were just on fire, um, but bombed tries. I think we're only sort of 12 nil up or 16 nil. We could have been, you know, 30 nil up. Um, and then just the back end of the game, they just, you know, um, got back to, I think nearly even, or, or I think it was even, or yeah, that point behind, or I think we must kick the field goal, and then you had that, you know, that big hit, um, you know, from uh, Simon Dwyer and Jared were hard guys and forces the ball loose, and then go down this pack of scrum, and then well, they they win the scrum against the feed, pass it back to um, Braith and Astor, who hits a 45 metre field goal to go next time, and then. <laughs> Goes for another twenty minutes next extra time, and then, and then, uh, yeah, it's an intercept that wins the game. So it was, uh, it was honest, it was, that was probably the hardest game to watch. You know, as a, as a fan, I can imagine how it would have been to watch. You, I sat there on the sideline watching it. It was, yeah, that was, it was just so hard to watch. It was, incre- it was inc- incredible. That's that's why I just reckon rugby league. It's just a, I'm a, like I'm a big NFL fan. I love heaps of sports, but I just reckon the NRL, mate. It's just it's it's hard to find a. A, a better game, a more skillful game, a more tougher game, and 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 I've got to say one that you know with injuries that you know we sustain. I mean, you suffered. I think it was 2019. It was it was a bit of a freak accident at, at tra- you were training in Auckland um, where you suffered over 10 facial fractures in a collision, broken cheekbones, nose, jaw, teeth. You did it all, mate. You did it all. What happened? What happened? Yeah. In the collision. Can you remember it? Oh yeah. Well, I was just yeah. It was just a freak accident. Like it was. It, it wasn't even a, a sort of a full full contact session. We were sort of, um, you know, it was a bit of contact involved, but not a lot. And it was just, um, you know, um, a bit of a pose. Um, you know, someone I can't remember was on the ball sort of stepped into a gap, and then me and Betty Mandalino. Um, you know, went to go and make a tackle and it, you know, both heads went in behind the player and he sort of um, ducked his head and I lifted mine at the same time and, yeah, just a freak thing where he got me right in the probably softest part of my face and just my whole face just shattered. That, that basically just sort of imploded just because of the force and um, the, the spot in the face he, he got me. So it was uh, just one of the things he sort of, you know, he couldn't prevent it. It was just, you know, you think of all the, the tackles that, even at that point, I'd made in, in my career not only uh, in games but in training, um, and you know, for that to sort of happen, um, yeah, just a freak thing. But as I said, yeah, it was about you know ten 
10 or 11 sort of you know, bones uh, in my face broke. Everyone, everything's pretty much broken and had to, you know, go through basically a full sort of facial re- reconstruction with wow. thing about seven or eight plates, you know, putting it all back together. Were you, were you struggling to breathe at, at that time at all? Or? Yeah, I, I was because it's sort of all um, all the blood sort of internal going down the back of my throat and, and, and nose. And again, we were in New Zealand, so we were sort of sort of a training field. So they called the the ambulance and um, I was sort of sitting there and, you know, 10, 15 minutes went by and I kept sort of trying to signal to the physio to, you know, you know get a green missile or some morphine or something like that. And yeah. he's like, yeah, the, you know, the ambulance be here soon. And, um, you know, more time went by and then he sort of came and he was honest with me. He said, look, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I've got no idea, I've no idea how long the ambulance is going to be. It could, it could be sitting here for, you know, a couple of hours. So there was a, a little moment there where I sort of, I did panic a bit because I was, you know, really, really struggling to breathe because all the, uh, you know, I, I couldn't breathe through my mouth. I had to sort of just get whatever air I could through my nose, but that was broken because all the blood was sort of just rushing down my throat. So I just, I sort of had to calm myself because I knew if I, if I sort of panicked or whatnot, then, and I struggled to breathe, I thought, you know, there's no, you know, no one here to, to help me. I was sort of just got to help myself, you know, because until the ambulance came, I, you know, couldn't do much about it. So I basically just sat there and just closed my eyes and, uh, had the trainer sort of um, sort of holding my back and, and me just sort of focusing on breathing and out and did that for another, I think, sort of 40 minutes an hour before the, the ambulance came and, and took me to hospital. Wow. I mean, that's that was that was quite an ordeal. Like, did you ever did you ever think of that? Because stuff can go through your head, you know, that with, you know that you might, you know, things, it could be the worst. Did you ever think that? Yeah. That oh, well, it was probably, yeah, it was that, it was probably that first five seconds after, and the physio goes, oh, no, look, you could be here for a couple of hours. I just went, oh, he's like, oh, I'm in trouble here. I go, if I'm, I'm in trouble, I knew if I panicked or, you know, like, I thought, so no, you know, if I stop breathing, you know, there's no one here that, you know, can, you know, it's going to be hard to, you know, revive me. So I just thought, I've just got to calm myself. I go, just focus on breathing. Just as, as you know, so I just sat there and just closing your eyes and, and, and basically just focus just on getting the breath in through my nose. So I, I knew, I just knew there was nothing else I could do and there's no one there to help me so I thought you know I just gotta um you know focus on that what was the recovery recovery for you like because I mean obviously that, that's different than coming back from you know an ACL or you know shoulder reco which is always painful stuff like that but you know mentally was it a tough road back or did you did you bounce back quite quickly um well, it was hard because the initial stages of so much uncertainty like I was, I was stuck in um, New Zealand for about two weeks. I couldn't fly because um, um, with the swelling in my face, I was worried about, uh, you know, particularly the left side of my face, you know, was quite bad. And, and I was quite worried about me losing sight in the left part, you know, in my left eye. Wow. Um, so I basically had to just every day see the doctor and get not too swollen, don't fly. So it was, yeah, just a lot of uncertainty. Then I flew back. And then even then, as you said, with, when you get a scan injury as a, um, as a you know, as an athlete, you sort of yes, it's hard. Um, but the straight away athletes are you know pretty proactive. They go, okay, well, what's the next step? What do I need to do next? What's the rehab? Do I need surgery? Okay, then what? You know, mm. uh, how long am I in a brace for? What you know, you just want to know what the. But for me, the hardest thing was not knowing, having like a timeline. You know, not knowing. Okay, well, when am I getting surgery? What's the surgery look like? You know, how long can I not? You know, eat solid foods for when can I? get back and actually start training. There was just no answers because it was, again, such a, you know, unique injury and, you know, likened to a car accident. So there wasn't any protocols with it. So 
that was the hardest thing, day in, day out, just not knowing. Um, and then just having to sort of take each day as it comes. So, you know, once I did um, then get the surgery, and it sort of then started unraveling more sort of how serious it was because, again, I'd broken my jaw before. Um, initially, I just thought, oh, yeah, because I knew there was heaps of breaks, but I just thought, you know, going to surgery, get a plate in, you know, be fixed, but wasn't really, you know, understanding how to the extent and, you know, how many fractures there were and how just sort of long the recovery would be and, you know, to fix it. So once I sort of had the surgery, when I got back, um, yeah, the first six weeks, basically then got told, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't exercise, couldn't couldn't eat solid foods. I couldn't um, do anything to sort of, you know, they said try not to sneeze because I can't put any pressure on my face because um, then obviously the plates would move. So wow. that was, uh, that was then that was just hard for me because, like, again, because I've, you know, had plenty of injuries um, previously and, you know, I found the best way and the reason why I got back so quickly for a lot of my injuries, I just set myself little targets and was really proactive with rehab and did everything possible, whereas, Literally for the first six weeks after surgery, I got told to do nothing. So that that was the hardest thing because I just couldn't do anything. So yeah, that that six weeks was uh, pretty tough. You know, not eating, dropped, dropped about thirteen kilos, and um, yeah, wow. it was uh, pr- pretty tough time. But then yeah, once once I got back and actually started training, um, and it, yeah, look, it, it, even I thought even getting back into you know um, I think it was six eight weeks later after I got back to training got the all clear to do some contact. Uh, contact. So I, I thought I would actually struggle a bit, but for for some reason, I was actually fine. Like I, mentally, I was fine. I thought I would struggle a lot more, you know, going into contact. And, and it was probably only, uh, would have been a number of months sort of after I got back later in that season, I was actually reflecting on like why that was. And, you know, and some work that I was doing with my business as well, it actually got me reflecting and about you know, the power of mindset and, and things that I was already, already doing and about reflecting on how um, when you really have a, a purpose and, and a why you do things, how that overcomes your fears and got me reflecting and then it actually got me working out, well, you know, because I wanted to come back, so, you know, the, the desire to come back and to, you know, prove everyone wrong and to, um, you know, just and at that time my daughter was young and, wasn't old enough to know and understand me playing footy. So I really wanted her to be old enough to understand that dad played footy. So I had that desire to come back and play for those reasons. So that, that was sort of greater than the fear of, um, I suppose, getting re-injured. And I suppose at the time I didn't really know that, but I just knew that I, I didn't really have that fear of, of getting re-injured. It's funny that the you, the, the trauma and the trauma and, and I guess problems and things like that, they can often propel you towards your purpose and for you, that that has led to, I guess, reevaluating certain things and and opened up a, a little bit of an avenue for you to pursue a, a passion for for business with one wellbeing. Um, can you yeah. tell us a little bit more about that business and and what you're trying to achieve? Yeah, so there's with one wellbeing. I had sort of started that um, business now about sort of nine nine years ago now and. Um, you know, I've, I've always been pretty proactive uh, in, in trying to have something outside of um, footy. I found it a really good outlet. Um, as you, mm-hmm. said, you know, I sort of debuted at 17, so um, and, and trust in the spotlight. And, and I sort of, I didn't really, you know, I didn't love the spotlight, and uh, I just needed an outlet. So I was still doing my HSC at the time, and I found that a really good escape from the media attention. And so I thought, you know, this is a really good way to. I take my mind off things and um, and, and sort of escape everything. Um, so I continued studying 
um, uh, sort of over the next few years. And um, some some of them I really enjoyed, some of the courses, some I didn't. Um, but I got to um, sort of you know, t- you know, 2013 and um, we sort of, uh, myself and, and um, my business partner who also went to um, school with me, St. Greg's, um, played in lower grades at, at Sharks and, and the Tigers, but, you know, I was a four-star to play first grade. Um, and we sort of saw that, you know, one, there was an opportunity to, to sort of share my knowledge and experience um, and, and work in the, in the corporate space delivering some corporate training and wellbeing programs. and But there's also an opportunity. We both um, had some um, failures in, in some of our um, courses we did by uni. And um, we sort of sat and I remember the conversation and we had a discussion about there wasn't any um, education course or programs that are specifically designed for athletes. You know, this is, again, a number of years ago now, but there's, you know, a lot of the, the university degrees, the, the vocational education courses, they're all forcing athletes to fit into their model, which they didn't do. You know, I, um, you know, didn't went to Sydney University and, and basically got told that I had to come to these lectures and that was it. And but then, you know, come to these lectures, I'd fail, even though I could never attend because I was full time training. So then went and did an online version of a, of a course, which then um, was good, but you didn't have the support that you do in a normal sense. So. Um, that then sparked us and myself and business partner why we were sort of working within the corporate space to, to really try and um, develop some education programs specifically for athletes. So um, we did that and uh, we started um, delivering some um, certificate three, four and fitness programs uh, to athletes and um, that sort of grew over time and to, to increase the, the number of courses we offered to athletes. Um, we also conducted a research report um, which got academically published about empowering elite athlete education and um, and, and now sort of continuing to, to move into that and develop that space, um, you know, because it's something we're obviously really passionate about. For me, it's about how can I share my knowledge and experience, um, not only, you know, can now within uh, the corporate setting where I can really share how, you know, by applying the right mindset and resilience techniques, you can sort of overcome anything just by sharing my story, but from a sort of um, sporting perspective with athletes, how, you know, when you find your interest and your passion away from sport, it really does take your mind off things. So you can sort of overcome those roll, the roller coasters that you go through as, a, as an athlete, whether that's contract, whether that's form, whether that's injuries. So um, it's really has, you know, helped me and allowed me to have that sort of passion while I'm playing. And um, it really made the decision sort of last year a lot easier when I sort of started to think that physically and mentally I would just, didn't have the desire to keep doing it. Uh, it made it easy knowing that I had a real passion uh, and um, for, for what I was doing with one more being, and I, and I saw it as a new challenge. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's been great, and, and I've enjoyed the uh, that first stage of the transition now. If there's any corporates or, or anyone listening, that can you direct them to, to your website because uh, so they can have a little read and. And yeah, so one just onewellbeing.com.au. So, um, sort of all the information's on there. Uh, about everything we do and, and more about why we do it. For, for me, it's about uh, I want to try and create lasting learning experiences, whether that's, you know, when I go on and do workshops or keynote presentations or training in a corporate setting and uh, I want people leaving um, with a lasting memory of something that's really going to really help them or whether it's with athletes, you know, trying to help them um, and provide a, a program and a, uh, and a foundation where they can have a lasting experience that's going to help build confidence in, in whatever they want to do. So, um, they can have confidence in, in being able to uh, engage in formal education if they want to. So, uh, you know, that, that, that's the reason I do it. And 
you know, every time I, you know, walk away from um, doing a workshop um, in a corporate setting or, you know, I'm delivering a, an educational program for athletes, if I can leave a, a lasting learning experience, um, it, it definitely leaves me that sense of satisfaction. Mate, thanks so much, Chris. I, I really, um, you know, having having chatted to you before about it, you know, you, you've been one of the, obviously one of the most successful players to have played the game, but also you, you, you've translated that, your passion into a business, which is, which is something I know you encourage, um, you know, others to to do to find something that really excites them, and then try to to keep working it. And and you've been very consistent, you know, in building this business. And I've got no doubt that you know the you've already you know made some great great inroads, and you've already helped a lot a lot of people. And I think because really your your heart's in the right place, whether it's for footballers or for the corporates to to really help them. Uh, grow not only their business but personal life and so forth. I can, I can see it keep going onwards and upwards. And you know, I know, I know people who have who have been part of it, and they really, really, you know, you've gone beyond your. You've, it seems like you've utilised everything you've learned from from league, which are skills that really you can translate um, into into life. And now, now people are getting the benefit of that. So I encourage people to have a look at that website. It's a fantastic one. And mate, it's been so good, so good chatting to you. I really, really appreciate it. We were introduced uh, a long time ago by your good friend and mine, Bo Ryan, who's uh, yep. doing some great things. Um, he is, mate. He's, he's on the go. He's on the He's on the go, mate. He's on the go, and he's another guy that's really like he he. He doesn't doesn't wait for the door to open, you know. He, he goes and and builds the door so people can knock on, and I like that. You yeah, know, he's very proactive in, and, and he's a hard worker like yourself as well. So yeah, no, nah, definitely. I really appreciate it, mate. And uh, thanks for your time, and and thanks for everyone for listening in. Uh, if you missed this week, you can download the SEN app, eleven seventy app. It's you just go to catch up and go to the Spirit of Sport. You can listen to all our previous interviews or, of course, next Sunday morning, 5.30 to 7, we repeat this interview. And you can also find us on 2CH Digital as well. But that's it for me. Thanks again, Chris. I've been your host. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30 a.m. for a limited time only. It's Jason Stevens, and you've been listening to the spirit of sport. Have a great week.